Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to movement master, author, and recovery advocate, Stephen Washington. Do you wonder how some people seemingly do it all? Do you know you're meant for something greater, but something's holding you back? You're going to love this episode because Stephen's passion is helping you navigate to a happier, healthier you, a recovering addict who now shares how you can deal with your fear and a lot of self-care tips, plus how you get to follow your creative passions to the fullest. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Stephen. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, really great meeting you too. I love your book, Recovering You, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. Your people sent me the book, which I just love. I'm going to go through the name of your chapters is great. Just like fear and shame and community. Okay, it's not called community, but I'm calling it that because I think community is so important these days. But you used to be a dancer on Broadway. So how did you get from that to Hijong? Oh my Teacher goodness. And master. Like, I mean, that's just like <laughs> ballet to Kijong. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, I guess they're both movement, but. Yeah, they're, they're both movement. And I've always been a mover. I've been moving since the day I was born. And dance was the way that I was able to express myself, even when I was a kid in the living room, dancing to music on the radio. And it helped me to just transport myself out of the chaotic environment I grew up in. And so something inside of me knew that I had a talent at that. And I just started to pursue it. It first started off with acting classes. And then I got into this performing arts high school and they had a dance program. And I just thought I'd take a dance class. And then of course I loved it. And that's where I really excelled and shined. And eventually I made my way to college and studied dance and had a long career in New York City with all these small modern dance companies. And, and then eventually, large opera companies. And then I got offered a job on Broadway with Disney's The Lion King. And that was a life-changing experience. Eight years of Hakuna Matata. (laughs) (laughs) But what led me to Qigong was after dancing for so long and having it be a part of my life for so long, I was really curious as to what else I could do besides dancing, besides theater. And it led me to becoming a Pilates instructor. And then after years of teaching Pilates, I thought, well, what else could I do? And then it led me to thinking about going back to school and studying Chinese medicine. That's what I did. I went back to school and I studied Chinese medicine. It turned out to be not be my, my path, but what I discovered there was Qigong, the ancient Chinese practice of Qigong. And I fell in love with it. I okay. fell in love with it because it made me feel a certain way. And it also really rescued me from a very difficult time in my life where I was on the verge of having a breakdown, but it really turned out to be a breakthrough. And I also felt like I was on the verge of relapse. And Qigong, along with other tools that people showed me and shared with me, I was able to really turn my life around in a different way. And it taught me a really big lesson about asking for help. This is today. So I, you have a very active YouTube channel. And when I'm researching you, I saw that you just posted a video today and you discussed this. And I I found it very, 
It was great. So there's so many questions <laughs> from that. And when you say relapse, you mean relapse back into your addiction? Yes. I imagine. Yes. Okay. So I think from our darkest moments is our is the biggest growth. When you're going through it, it's not like, oh, good, I'm having growth. <laughs> but it's always hindsight is everything. And the only way through is through. I know for me, if I could, there's any way I could dance around and not go through things, it's I would have found it. So why don't you talk about that? Like what happened? Here you are, you're going to school. You're thinking, oh, this is great. I'm going to go to school. This is yeah. going to be my new passion. And, and so what happened? Well, it was an interesting time. One of the things that I experienced in recovery was just the opportunity to watch people grow and, and learn and change. And I saw many people decide later in life to go back to school, maybe finish a degree or just go to school for the first time. And that inspired me because when I went to school uh, many years before and studied dance, I never finished. And I thought it would be great to go back to school and, and now do it as an adult do it for me and have a different intention. So that is what I set out to do. And once I arrived there and I had worked really hard to get into this graduate program, I had this sinking feeling that this wasn't for me. And that was a really difficult realization to have because there's a part of me that has this idea that once you make a decision to do something, that you have to follow through and do it. There's no such thing as changing your mind. That's such a limiting belief and such a limiting mm -hmm. idea. And it's yes. just that you create a prison for yourself. And so I struggled with that. And let's, that whole... let's stop right there because I thought that was an amazing post that I saw on your Insta that if you make a decision, you have to follow through. It's like you can start your day over whenever you want. Like yeah. if you're having a bad day, start your day over. You don't have to continue having a bad day. Do it, change your mindset. It is, it's such a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. you, it you, is. I, I have a friend that just was starting an entire program in and she's like, oh no, I don't have to continue school. Yeah, you don't know until you and, know. And it takes courage to make a does. choice like that. It really does. And that whole experience taught me so much. It made me look at unresolved issues in my life or, or unresolved feelings about certain experiences that I've had. It brought up a lot of shame. I had to work through some shame yeah. and I wouldn't change that experience. I wouldn't change so, that for the world. Okay. So you're here you are, you're going to school where you, was it just not filling you with joy? Was it a drudgery? Was it like, what was going on? Cause you made a decision to go. Was it just like, this is not my path. I don't, I thought it's it was. Just, it's just a deep knowing that you, that you get, you just get a deep sense of knowing, you know, when something feels right and you know, yeah. when something feels wrong yeah. and there's, there, there aren't really many words to describe it. It's just a, you know, it in your gut. Yep. Absolutely. And and one of the things that I try to teach in recovering you is to listen to that inner wisdom that you have, because we all have it. The thing that's interesting about people who deal with addiction is we start to learn to not trust that inner wisdom because those thoughts that you have in your head often led you to pick up that drink take that drug or what have you. So you learn to not trust yourself, but there is innate wisdom within each and every one of us. And if we tap into it, we can trust that. We can trust that, we can trust that. And we can also trust the way that I think the universe and the, my higher power works through people to deliver messages and information that I need to hear at exactly the right moment in time in order for me to make decisions that are gonna enhance my life. Absolutely, especially when you ask for it. 
Yes. And you ask and stay open to receive. So here you are, you, you're unhappy. How did you start dealing with, you said that then you had to start dealing with yeah. uh, this underlying, I had to how ask, did you deal with it? I had to ask for help, first of all. And I asked for help in a lot of different ways. I had to not keep all of it inside because at first I was keeping it all inside and it was killing me. You know, before I would walk into class during that time period, I would be in my car crying. I would be shaking when I would have to take tests. My hands would be sweating. I couldn't sleep at night. I lost my appetite. So many things. So I had to start asking for help, letting people know that I didn't have it all together. And one of the ways that I received help was I asked a friend, friends to tutor me in school. So I was able to be tutored by my classmates and suddenly I was able to do better. And that was the interesting thing. At first I thought I couldn't do the work. And then I learned, gathered all these tools and, I, and people helped me to learn how to study this material because being an American, not of Chinese descent, stepping into the world of Chinese medicine is a learning curve because it's a different way of, of viewing life in the world. And so I asked friends for help. They helped me and I started to excel in the classes. And then I had to really ask myself, well, now that you're doing really well in these classes, are you sure you want to leave? It's like, yeah, I'm still sure that I want to leave, but it's great to know that I could do this and I could be a kick-ass Chinese medicine doctor, but it's just not what I want. So I also took some suggestions from friends about things I could do to change my diet because I was feeling all this anxiety and yet continuing to drink caffeine, which is not a good match. Caffeine just creates more anxiety within you. So I had to stop that. And then also I would go to my spiritual center and I would talk to spiritual counselors and share with them what was going on with me. And oftentimes I would cry on their shoulder, bless all those people who listened to me because I was, I was going through it, but I'm so grateful that they were willing to hold space for me. Then I went to my recovery meetings and I stood up and I shared what was going on with me. I, and what I learned early on in recovery is that a problem shared is a problem halved. Yeah. And that's so true. So that helped me tremendously. And then lastly, Qigong. Qigong helped me to really integrate all that I was learning and experiencing in my body, let go of whatever energies weren't serving me anymore, like the tension that was building up in my body, all the shame I was feeling in me was no longer, was no, of no use to me. And it helped me to process all that and move it through my body. And it also helped me to clear my mind. And I was able to zoom out on the situation that I was in, because when we're going through difficult times, it's like we're in a, in a tunnel and we can't see far to the left or the right. We can just see straight ahead. Yeah. And that experience of doing the medicine of Qigong, it helped me to zoom out and just get space in my body and in my heart and in my mind to see the situation for what it was. And also to know that there's a bigger picture here and it's and it's much more complex and nuanced than, than what I was experiencing in the moment and that everything is gonna be okay. So you were already doing Qijong at that time. You had already started practicing that. It was part of the program at the school. And so ah, just, in, just okay. in taking the classes, as I was moving through that experience in real time, I was able to shift my way of thinking about it and experiencing it and my perspective and my perceptions of what was happening. I thought to myself at the time, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And it was really happening for me. Always. Yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. It's so interesting. And another thought I have when you were talking about 
being an addiction and not being able to trust yourself and, and turning that way. I think a lot of, I shouldn't, it's probably judgmental, but a lot of younger people, the scrolling, constant scrolling and everything else, I don't know how much they're in their body or mm -hmm. in their feelings and in their, in the moment and how much they're learning to trust their feelings and have the space to open up to mm. the moment. And do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And the connection that I'm making is in my mind is that there are many ways that we check out in life. Exactly. There are many it, ways that we, that we tune out. There are many ways that we numb ourselves and scrolling on the phone, social media, there's so many ways. And I think that 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 is something that's kind of new for for the world and our culture is this addiction to the phone and social media and all that a smartphone can do. And it actually plays with the same part of the brain that addiction does and substances. And, and so it's what I try to do in the book, in the practices that I teach in the book, and as well as what I teach in my membership community, SWE Studios, I try to teach people self-care practices because it's all, I think, at the core of everything that I teach is just about self-care. And we all need self-care and most of us aren't getting enough of it. And self-care helps us to be more resilient in life and helps us to manage stress. And another thing that it helps us do it helps us to really tune into our bodies, to feel what we're feeling in our bodies, and also tune into how we feel emotionally, and also to check in with what we're thinking, what our thoughts are. So it gives us that opportunity to just check in and be with self and be present. And that's really, really important. It has tremendous benefits just in terms of our mental health and the health of our body, mind, and spirit. Yeah, definitely. How do you recommend people get community? that don't have access to it? Well, I think there's a lot of ways that you can start to build community. And I talk about in the book how important it is to, to have community, to have a, a sense of belonging that's so important. I think that feeds us. And it starts by just setting the intention, first of all, that you want you want more people in your life, or you want special people, you want special connections. And, relationships with people that you don't want to be so isolated and alone. So it starts with intention. And then you start to consider, okay, well, now that I know that I'm open to that, who is it that I would want in my life? Maybe there's specific people that you want to draw closer to you. Start to think about that, make a short list of people. Also think about what kind of help is it that I, that I feel like I need from someone? and be specific about what kind of um, assistance or how you want to connect with people. And then beyond that, there's just other ways that you can start to build community. How I started to build community was by going to 12-step meetings. And I found that to be an incredible way for me to connect to others, to get the support that I needed. And one can do that, but there are also many other types of groups that one can connect with in order to find support, to find people who are going through exactly what they're going through and to give them somewhat of a blueprint or a map, a pathway to go from where they are to where they would like to be. Yeah. And just start there, start there. Yeah. Well, also you just, you wrote your book. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and there's writing groups if you want to write. And there's where people just write at the same time. There's so many different. I talked to somebody who he just, especially when the lockdown was ending a little bit, he just said um, meetups, going running, Thursdays, Santa mm-hmm. Monica, 7 yeah. a.m., whatever time. I mean, he now has a community that runs together. And there's all kinds of it, whatever it is, you're not inventing the wheel. <laughs> Somebody else no, wants to do it with you. Absolutely. <laughs> and we live in a modern world where, yes, you can go out and do and meet people in a meetup group and maybe go for a hike or even just walking around down around through your neighborhood. You're going to encounter people being open and willing to connect to people in that way. And even from your desk on your computer, there's so many different groups that you can join and be connected to, to people from the comfort of your own home, that is a wonderful place to begin to build community and to also develop a sense of belonging because people need people. Nobody oh, gets absolutely. through this life alone. Yeah, uh, absolutely not. I mean, the blue zones where people live the longest, the healthiest and the happiest, because why live a long time if you're not healthy and happy? <laughs> it's through community. That's the number one way that they stay that in that way. So are you still writing now that your book's out? Yes, I am still mm-hmm. writing. Uh, I'm not writing a book at the moment. Right. I don't know what my next book will be, but I am still writing. Writing is, a, is an important part of my life. It's a way for me to express what I'm feeling and how I'm experiencing the world and my life in the moment. So absolutely. So I saw an interview uh, with your husband mm-hmm. and it was really great. I, I thought, oh, I want to see some videos of you. The first one was, and this is a second interview and full disclaimer, this is my husband. I was like, oh, this will be fun. So how did you guys meet? We met online, actually. We met on a dating website called OkCupid. And we met when I was on a vacation in Rome. I, was, I took myself on vacation to celebrate uh, when I graduated from massage school after I left Chinese medicine school. And I just happened to check out some profiles of guys who were in my area. And there he was. And I sent him a message. He responded back. And then the rest is history. That's great. Mm -hmm. He has a good, he has a great accent. Um, (laughs) Yes, he's British. (laughs) So uh, that was just kind of an aside. I just thought, ah, that was a fun thing to happen upon. What's the most common question you're asked when you tell people what you do? Well, actually, the most common question that people ask me is what is Qigong? Yeah, I would imagine that would, that is exactly what I would, I would guess that's probably the most common question. Yeah. And I'm happy to answer that question to anyone who is listening and and doesn't know what Qigong is. So Qigong is an ancient Chinese healthcare system that combines flowing movements, standing postures, deep breathing, and focused intention to activate, cultivate, and circulate life force energy. And we all could use more energy, right? Uh, And the way that we deplete ourselves of energy most commonly is through stress. And so stress is a big trigger. And one of the ways that we can learn to manage our stress is through a practice like Qigong. When you break the word qigong down, qi means energy and breath, gong means work or skill. So the practice of qigong is the practice of becoming more skillful at managing our own energy. And that's what qigong is in a nutshell. And you have to go see Stephen's YouTubes because it's so easy and they make you feel fabulous. It is Uh, easy. I love that you said that. 
It is. It's, it's so easy. Yeah, it's um, accessible. It's a really yeah, accessible and much adaptable. better adjective. Much better mm-hmm. adjective. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what would you tell somebody who they have this feeling that they're not doing what they're meant to do while they're here and they're afraid to make that leap of faith? Mm-hmm. What would you tell them? Well, I would tell them to to listen to what their heart is telling them. Listen to that what their gut is telling them. I think oftentimes we we disregard that inner knowing that starts off as a whisper, and then when we don't listen, it's it gets a little bit louder, and then when we don't listen, it gets a little bit louder, and then you get hit over the head by this message that you're supposed to receive and and to take on. And then begin to slowly start to make steps towards it. I think oftentimes when people have this gnawing feeling that they're supposed to be doing something other than what they're doing at this moment, and then they get an idea of what that thing is, they want to do it all right now. And I think that it takes time to incorporate new information and change. So what's the next right thing for you to do? What's the next right action? And just basically keep asking yourself that, okay, what's the next right thing for me to do? And just keep feeling into that one day at a time. And that's how I think we, we go from where we are to where we would like to be. Plus, it's a really incredible thing when you start taking steps towards that, the universe rises up to meet you. As soon as you take energy in the direction of your dreams or goals, I don't know how or why that, but it just does. The universe will start rising up to meet you. People are always like, how do you get such incredible people that on your podcast? I'm like, I don't know. I'm doing this. So then the universe meets me. Like it just works. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. an incredible thing. So how do you not go after all the shiny objects everywhere? Like you gave up caffeine because it wasn't good for you. How do you stay focused and um, not just... Go yeah. after everything. Well, but... let's let's be clear. I gave up caffeine for a period of time. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> I still drink <laughs> caffeine, but I but I don't drink it as much as I used to, or as uh, yeah, or as often as I I do. And if I I can go a day without drinking it, and it doesn't have great effect on me, so that's that. How do I? Gosh, I don't I don't know. I think one of the things that I've just come to realize in my life is that there aren't a whole lot of things that I absolutely need that oftentimes less is more. And not that I'm living the life of a monk or anything like that, but there's so much that I don't have to have or don't need. And what I find myself trying to do is really feel into and appreciating what I have because it's so easy to not appreciate what you have and just constantly going after that next thing or that shiny thing and you're not really appreciating the richness of what you already have. So I think as a spiritual practice to do that more and more and more, whether it's physical things in my life or even just like relationships in my life, really feeling into those more and appreciating them on a different level. That's basically what I'm trying to do. And it's helping a lot. And maybe someone who's listening could might resonate with that. Yeah, definitely. So how did you work through? shame because you have a chapter on shame yeah there's lots of different ways that i help myself move through shame and i also want to acknowledge that shame is one of those things that progress through it 
ebbs and flows. I'm 20 years sober and still things pop up where I'm like realizing, oh, there's some shame here. Okay, how do I unravel that? And one of the ways that I unravel it is to become aware enough of when I feel it. Like what happens to me when I feel shame? Do I get a knot in the pit of my stomach or do I feel like a sinking in my heart or, or do I get, does my heart start to race? Do I start to get sweaty? Whatever, whatever my shame symptoms are, just becoming more familiar with that. So when it happens, I can sort of follow the breadcrumbs and say, oh, this is shame. And then try not to keep it a secret. Share it with someone. Share it with a trusted friend. Not everyone has earned the right to hear your shame. I love when Brene Brown talks about shame. Yeah. And that's one of the things that she has said. And I think it's so true. So don't keep it a secret. Don't hide it. And then also, she says that shame needs three things to survive, secrecy, silence, and, and judgment. So sharing it with someone, allowing them to hear your shame and not judge you for it, hopefully will give you energy that will help you to not judge yourself so harshly. My friend Keith, who I mentioned in the book, talks about shame a lot. And he says that he wasn't able to really get past the things that were in his life as obstacles. And for him, it was drugs and alcohol until he worked with someone on trauma and shame. So if it's something that you are having a very difficult time, no matter how hard you try to get past it, seek professional help. There's yeah. no shame in seeking professional help. No, and getting definitely help not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You could journal all you want, but you might want to talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Do you have uh, tools that you do every day? Do you have certain tools that you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and it depends. It depends. It depends on what I need each day, but my day usually starts off in the morning with me just taking a few deep breaths while I'm in the bed. I also read some inspirational material usually around recovery. I just read a couple of different passages. I get different emails that come in that are inspiring. So I always do that. I always spend time with my cats. We have two cats and the cats just automatically help me to regulate. And then exercise is so important. Just moving my body is very important. And spending time in nature. Some days I, I'll go to a 12-step meeting. That's really nutritious for me and helps to support me tremendously. And then I always do something to tend to my body in terms of like massage. I'm always massaging some part of my body. I love to massage my feet. There's something about massaging my feet at the end of the day that helps me to just get out of my head and get more into my heart and my body. And it helps me to unwind at the end of the day so that I can lay my head down on the pillow and actually sleep peacefully. And those are the things that I usually a part of my self-care routine each day. Yeah. It probably helps that you went to massage school. <laughs> yeah, but what I do, but what I do for myself is is something that we all kind of intuitively do. If your feet hurt, you're gonna cross your ankle over your knee and you're gonna put your hands yeah. on your feet and you're gonna massage your feet. Yeah. However you know how intuitively right. will tell you to do that. So that's what I I just do an extension of that. Do you meditate? Do you have a meditation practice? I do. And that's another thing I do at night too. I, I Actually, you had meditations I saw on your uh, website. Yeah, I do meditate at night. I do. I get in the bed. Usually my husband is asleep next to me. I have a, like, a little candle going off on the side and I, and I do a meditation. I love the, the app Headspace. 
-hmm. I've been using it for years. I love their guided meditations and that's really helpful for me. So I've been asking a lot of people about friendships as an adult and mm -hmm. how you get new friends as an adult. So you may get them in your 12-step meetings, but maybe someplace else. Do you have any way that's different? I don't, I'll just ask you, how do you get new friends as an adult at this stage of your life? Well, that's a really good question. One thing that I've realized as I've grown older as an adult is I actually don't need that many people in my life. Like I just need a core group of people and that's all I need. I don't need to have a million friends because really the, the, the more people you get, it's, it's more like acquaintances. You have a million acquaintances and that's fine too. But in terms of your cabinet of people that you turn to when you're happy, when you're sad and everything in between, it's just a few. And I think for me is it, what happens and that's really vital for me is that I pay attention to the energy that exists between myself and another person when I first encounter them, when I'm in their presence and when what happens when we are together. And it's either an energy that commingles really well or not. And so for the, the experiences where, where it does come together in just the most amazing way, I pay attention to that. And I allow myself to be open to what the possibilities could be between myself and that person that starts with maybe an email or starts with a, a phone call or we get together for coffee. I had an experience recently where I was speaking at a conference this past weekend in Colorado and I met a ton of people. I met so many people, more people than I could even remember, but there were about three or four people where I had this really interesting connection with. And I pay attention to that. And that I think is where you build this network, this social network or social support network of people. Yeah, definitely. There's something about people in Colorado too. I don't mm. know. <laughs> there is. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I didn't know that the last couple of years. I've interviewed more people from Colorado that were amazing. Do you have a message of hope that you want to give? Mm, my message of hope is to just to know that you're enough just as you are, you're enough. Because sometimes we feel like we're not enough as if something is missing. Now, if only we had that thing that we think is missing, then we'd be enough. But actually, just as you are, broken pieces and all, you are enough. That may be my favorite message I've been given in a hundred and <laughs> whatever weeks. I love that. What's the hardest challenge you've ever gone through and how'd you get through it? It's interesting. It, the hardest challenge, I mean, I could say getting sober was one of the hardest challenge, but I don't know if it was. It was hard. But I don't know if it was. I feel like at this point in my life at 51 and 20 years of sobriety, all these new opportunities, I'm at a turning point. And so that's a very interesting healing um, experience that I'm having. And that has been challenging. But what's helping me to move through it is basically what I said about 20 minutes ago was asking for help, not keeping any of it inside, asking for help and being open and receptive to receiving it and not feeling like if I ask for help that I'm less than, or if I ask for help that I'm actually worthy of it. And if I ask for help that people will actually respond with the help that I need and understand that it's something that we all, we both bet will benefit from. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Don't hold anything in. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Oh, this has been so great. Is there anything else I should have asked you that will be done and be like, oh, Lauren didn't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, if anyone is interested in knowing more about what I do and what I offer, just please go to my website, stephenwashingtonexperience.com, where you can learn about all the things that I do, including my book, Recovering You, my online membership community, SWE Studio, where I create accessible, affordable wellness content that's designed to meet you wherever you are on your journey to wellness and everything else that I do and links to my social media and such so that you can really take advantage of all the self-care practices that I put out into the world. Because like I said, self-care is important. We all need it. And most of us aren't getting enough of it. So I want to provide that for the world. Yeah. And all of Stephen's links will be in the show notes and on the website and everything else. Thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Thank you so much, Lauren. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you the messages of honesty, gratitude, and an open heart. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly, authentically, and how to have fun. It's a great episode that's super upbeat, and that's next week. You definitely don't want to miss that. Be sure to sign up for free Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. If you're struggling, this might be for you. It's for those who feel like life's passing them by, your inner critic's going nonstop, you're feeling burnt out and jealous of those who are doing what you wish you were doing. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and sign up over there. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. 